attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I am your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guest on the podcast, Steve Kaufman. Steve and I had a great time. You're going to hear that right away. A lot of laughs in this one. Steve was a camper in the 70s. And his son uh, was one of my first campers. So that made it a little extra special treat for me to get to chat with him. And uh, we talked about the boys a little bit too. So you'll hear all of that. Before we get into the podcast today, just a couple of quick announcements about some camp events going on. First of all, tomorrow, February 15th, Monday, at Joy of the Game, Collegiate Week Voting and Open Gym. All staff and campers welcome. So this is where the Collegiate Week teams that will be new this year will be picked. I am politicking very strongly right now for the University of Kentucky Wildcats, the winningest program in the history of NCAA basketball. If not for one great decade out in California, we would have the most titles ever. Great coaches, great players. 25 first-round NBA picks in the past five years. What are we talking about? Why aren't these guys getting a chance to win the week? Let's do this. University of Kentucky Wildcats. Write in votes. Get them in there. Secondly, February 18th, this coming Thursday, an Ojibwe alumni social. It's going to be at Theory on Hubbard Street. Get down there. Hang out with some camp guys. Get a chance to get a little old... uh, Camp talk going, some collegiate week camaraderie, perhaps have a couple of adult beverages if that's your your cup of tea. So Ojibwe Alumni Social, Thursday, February 18th, be there. Okay, enough of that, enough advertising. Here we go. Steve Kaufman on the Camp Ojibwe History Podcast. First and foremost, please state your name and years at camp. Steve Kaufman, 1971 through 79. Very nice. Now, how did you first hear about camp? Heard about camp. Um, My parents were looking back in 1970 uh, because I had interest in going to camp, and I was very much into sports. And so we did, we used to, they brought the poison wood in the house first. We uh, uh, saw Menominee, or Mm. I should say they came to see me. (laughs) <laughs> and then um, I liked it, and I was interested in signing up. And then about two weeks later, I was blessed that uh, Mickey and Al Schwartz came to my home, and uh, is which where was when I got that brochure. And um, by the time they that time they were done, tell me about Ojibwa, I wanted to go that summer. This is in the winter of seventy, so I said I wanted to go. I was eight years old, nice. and um, my parents said, "Well, no, let's talk about it. we'll we'll do it next year." And I'm going, and I start crying. I said, no, this is the camp I want to go to, and I want to go this coming summer. That's awesome. And um, so Al Schwartz put his arm around me and says, that's okay, we'll have a spot for you next summer. So maybe paraphrasing that, but I remember putting his arm around my front stairs and said, don't worry about it, you'll come next summer. He put his winter hat on, and they left, and uh, the show began in 71. That's great. Uh, and in those days, you take the Keishan buses up? Yeah, the Keisha 907s or whatever number they had available. <laughs> sure. And we all jumped on board and left from, uh, well, our group left left from uh, Ravinia train station in yeah. Hall Park. Now, what's the first thing you remember about getting to camp? About getting to camp was, first of all, the grounds were magnificent. And I remember just driving up in that main drive all the way through the gate there, and it was wooded, so you see the lake on the left side, and it was beyond beautiful and clean. 
So mm. already I knew it was in the right spot, and the pictures and the things that I was told by Al and Mickey were all true. It was unbelievable. And the cabins were big, they were bright, um, and everyone was very friendly as we got off. So I was only, you know, nine years old at the time. So yeah. it, was, it was great. That's awesome. Did you know anyone? Did you go up with, like, other people from school or anything? Uh, very few. I knew one. I knew a couple of the older guys just by name here and there, but I wasn't friends with them. But I was friends with uh, Doug Singer. Hmm. And Doug Singer was probably the youngest camper, well, at least at that time ever. He went at seven, or seven, I think, seven hmm. or eight. And he was a year before me or so. But uh, he and I were in cabin one. Him probably for the second or third time, but um, if you look <laughs> at a plaque, it may show it. Yeah. But Doug Singer is probably the one that I knew before going up to camp. That's awesome. Uh, and so you said you liked sports, so you just kind of dropped right in and enjoyed it right away? Immediately. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing not to like. Yeah. You get selling your cabin, next thing you know, uh, we were taking our swim test. Oof. And uh, that was brutal, because that's cold water, <laughs> big, you know, middle of June. Sure. Um, but I remember doing that as soon as we got there. Um, you kind of herded into all that real quick. Um but then, you, you know, next thing you know, you're getting on teams, you know, Peach League and, and soccer and so forth. Um, back then, we didn't have football. You know, we didn't mm. have football for the older guys or basketball, if I recall correctly. Um, but um, it was immediate flow. It was very competitive. Um, and that was probably the biggest lure for me ever. Nice. Yeah. What was your favorite sport? Um, probably all in all over the years was probably basketball. But if you were to wrap it all up and look at the history behind clincher, 16 nothing beats a 16 in softball nice that's such a chicago ball so that's a tight one but i probably would i don't know i like them both <laughs> they're all good yeah I, I didn't realize when i got to camp i was like oh that's softball i get it but i didn't realize how chicago that was like yeah. this is a chicago sport yeah. my dad used to play clincher ball on the west side when he was a kid yeah he's 86 so <laughs> it goes back many moves but it's a, it's a chicago sport per se yeah, yeah it's very it's cool um do you remember who your staff were um, I think my first cabin were uh, Bob Elson, Ron Pruzan, I think Mark Victor. Um, I'm not sure about the other one. There may have been one more in there. I just can't think right off the top of my head under the gun here. Nice. But that was probably pretty close in 71. But yeah. I still have friends from that year. So. Well, I was going to say, are there guys that you still are connected oh, yeah. with? Gary Plotnick is one. Uh, we met um, back in 71, so he is a friend of mine still to this day, lives nearby. Uh, some of the other ones are kind of acquaintance, like Dennis Zaslowski, I see here and there. So um, Zaz is in cabin one. Um, and then there's other names just I remember from there, Ron Worth and Billy Peskin, um, Craig Pavilon, uh, Andy Gilbert. I uh, was with Andy all the way through Ojibwa, related mm-hmm. to Schwartz's. And uh, he's on the East Coast, I think, now these days. Yeah. But um, he was one of the originals that went all the way through the ranks with me. Nice. He and I were the only ones actually from cabin one that carried all the way through. Nice. That I'm thinking right now. Yeah. And those days, of course, the day starts with dipper shower can't beat a dipper shower you get outside in the robe or a towel and there's al you know and uh you're inhaling up and exhaling and then you have your choice and of course if the lake is glass you're taking the lake and um you know if you look back on it now you do the dip every day you wouldn't take the shower but back then you're like thinking you know do i fake the shower put my head under the water or do i jump in a lake or take a real shower but you can't beat it now I see. Now with the shower side, was there any sort of like checking in to make sure you'd actually showered? Was there someone in there, or were they just like as you walked out the door, they kind of? I don't remember anyone really checking on us yeah. because you just did it, and yeah. especially when you're a young kid, you do it. You're told, sure, <laughs> so it doesn't course. make a difference. But it was fine. <laughs> it was great. That's great. And then you you have the meals. Everything's weighted back then. All the meals were weighted back then. The food was beyond fantastic. I mean, that was really good food, and yeah. the proof is that was when. Like I'm visiting here, my parents would come up, and our family is was in the baking business. As mm. um, Otto, my dad had many a conversations, but um, you know, everyone's worried about how their kids eating up there. You know, my mom was a great cook, so I didn't have to suffer at home. But my mom would say, "This food is as good as I make." You nice. know, the food was absolutely the highest quality and most outstanding food you can ever imagine having. Yeah, that's a big compliment. From a, from a mom, truly, for sure. Oh, yeah. It was truly fantastic. Nice. Fantastic. Um, now, steaks are the are the meal that get all the raves, but Saturday night. give me another favorite. Oh, they had, you know, the rib special. They, you know, once in a while ribs. They had the pizza going on here and there. Um, I liked the Friday night Shabbos dinner, and then they had the roast beef. Um, that was always great. Um, but, boy, I mean, I can't even a bad dinner, really, that I ever had. I just was never a big cold cut eater, but that was usually sure. for cookout or on a Sunday uh, evening, I think or Sunday afternoon, rather. Um, but really, the food was so good that you just never picked out and said, oh, that was a horrible meal. Mm. It just did not happen at Ojibwa. That's awesome. Yeah. And the desserts, oh, my God. <laughs> Seriously. No better. 
Nice. No uh, I've been working with Billy. Well, I, I shouldn't say this so Billy will be listening to this, but he gave me some recipes a couple of years ago because he wanted to break them down. Mm. And believe it or not, I've actually tried to work on them, and I haven't communicated that with him. Sorry, Billy. But <laughs> um, I will get to them. I actually have them in my briefcase in my truck downstairs. That's awesome. And um, he gave me because that's what we used to do in the baking business, and I was able to break it down. The problem was Otto kept so many loose ends, mm. and some of it's just by memory or by just name that he used. Sure. So it's very hard to dissect all that. But those were great desserts. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm taking that away. <laughs> so you have that first year. Are there any any of the... Well, I guess the question is, what makes you want to come back after the first year? Well, the first year, <clears throat> I was very much into track, uh, softball. Uh, love riflery. Um, I still have my medals from, from back then. I did that with Mark Victor a lot, who's the counselor. Mm. And I just happened to be a decent shot, so... I really enjoyed it. it. You know, I took a liking to it. Um, I think the whole camaraderie, uh, mm. the competition, um, and competition back then, you have to understand, was between sometimes being your lineup for a meal to cleaning your cabin. Sure. To the <laughs> sports court, sports field, or wherever you may be. Um, and it's almost like you sleep with an eye open. Um, and I'm not referring <laughs> to eyes open. Um, it's a fantastic experience. And you have to like that kind of sports or competition back then. Yeah. Um, and look at, um, you don't have to be the greatest athlete in the world. You had to put 110% in and, or you had to be a great person. Um, you just can't be, you know, either a cocky, bad athlete or something like that. Cause you're not going to fit in there. Yeah. Um, and Ojibwe was very, in my opinion, was very open to just great people, mm. whether or not you were a top athlete or not. If you're a top athlete, that's something different. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I ran into a guy the other day. Um, I was playing golf at Northwood with a friend of mine, Bruce Esser, who we've talked oh, to. Oh, yes. So um, uh, Larry Lubin was there, who was an, ah. a, a top athlete back. And, and I saw him walking, and uh, uh, he played a, a basketball for the Illini, and uh, he has no idea who I am. I'm like, whatever, four or five years under him. Hmm. I try not to forget too many people from the day I walked into camp. Sure. And I walked up to him, and I said, I'm Steve Kaufman, introduced myself, said you were an insane athlete, I have to tell you that. And he just appreciated it, came up and, you know, said hello to him. Oh, that's great. But that was, like, a real nice, real good athlete. Nice. Yeah, I've heard his name mentioned on the uh, the all-time lists when it comes oh, to the yes. big list. He's definitely other great athletes, way up there. He's way up there. That's awesome. You know, I'm a young kid, and Kevin, when I'm nine, you look up that and hear Leah Lube, and you're going, oh, my God. You know? Yeah. It's funny you say that. We're talking about uh, the competition. Yeah. Camp has such a reputation for being the, the hardcore competitive camp. And I think that the modern brain goes, oh, well, that just means they played a lot of sports. But it's much more complicated than that. Like, much literally, more. everything's a competition. If you're brushing your teeth next yes. to some guy to sink, you're yes. racing to get done yes. first. <laughs> like, everything is a competition. Yes. <laughs> and that's what made it great. Yeah. I don't care. I mean, you know, we had, we still probably the record of, of, of tens in our cabin. I think it was my cabin. It was either 9 or 11. We had, I think, 58 straight 10s in a row or something like that. <laughs> yeah. We, so we took great pride in that. Yeah. So the rumor was that, you know, what, what it was is we all did cleanup. And that's there one. Two is that we used to have guards watching our back line for people who may want to sabotage the oh, back line. Oh, that's, that's smart thinking. So we had great pride in our in our cleaning. And we did as a, as a real cabin effort. Kudos to our counselors. Um but gosh, even to this day, I line my shoes and my shirts the same way I used to fold them up on the shelves. I hate to admit <laughs> that, but I do. Talk about the formative years. That's where you learned it all. I learned it. The Ojibwe fold and the, oh, easy. the hospital corners. <laughs> of Absolutely. Course. Of course. <laughs> even fake hospital corners. And Mickey wasn't really checking. Sure. No quarters. No quarters no bouncing quarters. that day. No quarters. That's funny. Uh, so you come back and uh, tell me about some of your sports highlights over the years. Oh, gosh. Me personally? Yeah. First year, one collegiate week, so that's a great start. <laughs> Steve Katz was my counselor, was my coach. And, of course, being Cap 1, I was such a detriment to my team. I sure. Was, I was so valuable. <laughs> um, came Eight in second. Old. Yeah, right. Came in second in 72. I was on Pennsylvania, Rick Matisar. Hmm. Um, but I had some floating years. Michigan, no, no doubt, because I don't like Michigan. Uh, I was on Wisconsin. Uh, but came back um, on Chicago uh, later on uh, when I was the uh, first pick with Joel Shader and Danny Nicko. And came in second. Um, funny story was uh, we were in like sixth or seventh place with like two days left. And my brother comes up to me and I'm at the drinking fountain by 13. My brother, like Kevin, I don't know, three or four or whatever, five, three, I think. and uh, Or maybe older, whatever. And he goes, oh, uh, so how's the week going for you, buddy? Because he was in like second or third place then. And I just <laughs> looked and I go, just watch. 
<laughs> so by the end of the week, we were in, uh, by two days later, you know, we had track meet coming, which was one of my strengths. I won mm-hmm. a track meet several years running. Um, and uh, we were in second place. We almost had first. We just missed it. Nice. Highlights, I mean, between collegiate week, um, never lost a box hockey event, never lost a tug of war. Wow. Uh, at least that I can recall tug of war as a team event ever in my nine years, even as a counselor, I don't believe. Uh, Duffy didn't lose a uh, box hockey, so anyone out there listening challenged me. Um, but, you know, we had good games. Um, you know, we it can be basketball or whatever. I guess what it was really about me, it was always, you know, more effort of, you know, helping our team, working on our team wherever I can. Sure. Um, the key to me was the competition really makes you flow. I mean, some people thrive on that. Yeah, for sure. There's no end to it. I can do that day and night. Mm. Loved it. Every bit of it. As far as the other side of the coin, the uh, so camp, competition, sports, that's what we advertise. But there's always this other side. And entertainment, the stage, that's always been a big piece of Ojibwa. Is that a part that you took? Uh, Very good question. <laughs> took well, so <laughs> back in my day, like in early 70s, um, they wanted you back by 9 o'clock for the Jubilee. Mm. Well... If I remember correctly, no one makes a jubilee, at least in my cabin, or I didn't, from like cabin one up a few cabins. Unless you're like, you know, a favorite camper, or you got an older brother, or whatever. Sure. Um, you know, I was the first of my family to go there. So, um, I didn't make the jubilee, and I'm going to go back. My parents were saying, well, hey, we can spend time with you. Why go back and sit in a hot wreck hall and watch a show? I go, well, I don't know. We're supposed to be back. We went back. It was fun. It was great. The show's insanely great. Yeah. I mean, back then, Paul James and Elliot did a great job. It was great. Um, but... I never want to trial for it. I'd rather just not be in it. So I think I was in cabin 9 or 11. Everyone went to the Jubilee, and they did a count, and I was the only one who was not there. So Elliot comes <laughs> with his towel wrap around my neck into my cabin. He goes, Kaufman, get in the rack hall. We got Jubilee trials. I go, I don't want to be in the Jubilee. He goes, too bad. You got to try out. I go, you know, Elliot, I don't want to go in the Jubilee. So, of course, uh, I went out, and I was in the Jubilee anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to tell my parents we're not gonna we're coming back early and I'm going to Jubilee. So I was in a Jubilee. Nice. And um, but the interesting thing about it, the Jubilee, it led to my real big acting career because um, I was in on my uh, Harvard team. Scott Kalk was my head coach, and we did a show for uh, Collegiate called Star Freck. And okay. um, so I was in the in the play, obviously, and um, it was a skit. And I was, I guess I was funny, and Paul James and Elliot loved it. So next thing you know it, they go, you're in the eighth week show. And I go, what? <laughs> I go, yeah, you're going to be Snoopy in the eighth week show. So that became my acting career, and I became Snoopy. And my wife's still teasing me about that. Nice. The supper time bit? The supper time deal course. and everything. Of and course. I'm not a great singer, but um, <laughs> they made it work, and I was Snoopy. That's amazing. Yeah, so it worked out really great. So yeah, I guess the stage was big. Um, song night was always a lot of fun. I could say one thing, we were in Canada 11, which goes back to original, when I was listening, I found, if I can say, I, I, this, I was playing on the, uh, I was watching news and I was going on my Facebook, I saw a podcast from you, Campo Juba, so I hit on it. So I'm listening to it and I turn off the news and it's Billy and Barry. Hmm. So I'm listening to all this and I'm picturing all this in my mind. So I'm going, all of a sudden Billy's top on, he was sick up at camp and friends brought him treats and he goes, yeah, Steve Coffin and Vern Epstein. And I go, oh my God, I remember that. And so I used to do that. So anyway, so we're doing our cabin scene, Camera 11. That's why I brought Vern Epstein, who lives in California. And I grew up with Vern. And um, we're doing the song. And uh, Vern had a solo. He had a good voice. And it was me lined up, then Vern and Abe Millman, who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. And we're singing our song. And Vern had a solo, and he forgot it. <laughs> so he's up on stage, forgets the song, and goes, oh, shit. And with that... <laughs> Abe and me are on the floor laughing. <laughs> We're down, literally down. So, of course, it's uh, treat night. You know, Mickey came around, and he comes up to our cabin 11, and he goes, like they say in Texas, boys, El Paso and El Trito. <laughs> so we didn't get a treat that night. So that was kind of my acting song career, if you That's will. That's awesome. That was Captain Singh. <laughs> that was great. Amazing. I'll never forget that one. Talk about some of the... Uh, sort of camp personalities that are there when you're there. and Pearl and Al, the two greatest people probably I've ever met. Mm. I mean, 
I mean, I got through Mickey and Reeve in there really because it's such a connection to, and then you, and then back then, you know, Denny was the program director, right? So you have a different relationship. Denny was fantastic, um, regardless of what people <laughs> say about Denny. Sometimes <laughs> I was at his fiftieth party, and you know, I believe me, I heard some of the things. Um, <laughs> love Denny, love Sandy, Reeve and Mickey, but Al and Pearl just have that whole history from the beginning of it all. Mm. So their personalities ran ran over everybody, whether it was you know. Pearl screaming over the, you know, the loudspeaker, you know, no roof ball, or stay away from the flower boxes or something like that. It was great. But the personality, um, there's so many, and I think that's what made it so great. You had, you had counselors that came from all over the country in campers, not so much all over the country with campers, but there were some. But you had counselors that came from Europe, England. I still mm-hmm. have a, a relationship with one uh counselor who still sends me a, a New Year's card every year from Dave Miller, who lives in England. He's my counselor in Cabin 3 in 72. Wow. So, and we've emailed a little bit, but we tr- I try not to. I look forward to getting the card at the end of the year, yeah. get an update on his wife and, and his daughter, Emma. But, um, so everyone had a personality. Um, it's hard to tie each individual up like that. Elliot was always Elliot. Sure. And love Elliot. I mean, he's great. Um, and then you had people like Jim Nockin, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago. And Jimmy was just such a, a warm guy and uh, always very concerned and compassionate with the campers, especially us guys, the younger ones when we were young. Sure. And, um, but personalities there, um, it just gelled. And you can fit in no matter what. You just got to be a, a decent person, I think. Like yeah. I said, it doesn't have to be the best athlete. You just have to be a decent guy. But if you're a great athlete and not a great guy, it works too. <laughs> yeah, that's no true. No names. You can get a few free passes yeah, if, you're, right. if you're a good passes athlete. Passes work. But it's true. Camp certainly draws the the interesting personality. I mean, you know, the, yeah. the guys who are long timers. It's a, an oh. interesting collective. <laughs> look, at, I look at Foo, who still goes up there. Yeah. And I remember when we were in Cabin 7, we were – 12 or 11 I think I got to back it up probably one three four so we're 12 and uh begging for a social you know things start moving around you get hormonal and you want to sure. start and they wouldn't give it to us we got one with Chippewa <laughs> but then before a social we had to have a whole you know explanation of what to do with the social about <laughs> foo I'll just leave it at that <laughs> and so foo had quite the personality but but that even grew at foo um and I don't know if he remembers this, but when I was in Cabin 11, um, I had a counselor, uh, Steve Simon. I think mm. Simon lives in Florida now. He's a doc. And I was with all the same guys in my cabin. It was like Donnie Allen, Larry Schubert, myself, Larry Niakin back then, Andy Gilbert, and, and some other guys. And uh, Fu came into our cabin and asked Steve Simon if they want if you want to go out to Harry's Bar. Mm. Okay. You've heard of Harry's? Sure. Of course. So he goes, I can't, I'm on tonight, I'm in tonight, I gotta stand. I'll go. And I was the only one up besides Mark Wachowski. Um, and next thing you know it, he goes, Come on. So we thought he was kidding. We got dressed, go out on the campus. He's saying, like, we went for a second, get back in there. So next thing you know it, we're sitting in the outdoor courtyard of Harry's Bar with food. Yeah, so I was in cabin 11 now when this happened. Um, and we sat out there, there were other counselors there. To make a difference, nothing, no one said anything. We were there for about an hour, hour and a half. Of course, we didn't drink or anything, and sure. I don't drink to this day. But um, we had snacks and stuff. It was We had such a fun time. <laughs> he was so cool. And then, of course, Denny knows everything. Of course. Don't ever, ever forget and don't think he doesn't. <laughs> but like three or four days later, I'm walking out of the mess hall, and he goes, Cough, come over here. And I'm going, sure. So I woke up with Denny. He puts his arm and goes, Tell me, what was your first impression of Harry's Bar? <laughs> Don't ask you if I answered that. I couldn't tell you. I'd probably run a recall for at that point. I don't know. But that was definitely a highlight or an amazing story. That's amazing. (laughs) Or when um, I was a junior counselor, I should say, in Kevin 9. And uh, a whole bunch of us went to rescue Mike Nichols, who tried to get into the drive-in over um, a covert. So we'll make a long story short. Um, we decide that we're going to break into the kitchen. That's right, break into the kitchen, Mickey. And um, so we got into the kitchen and the storage room down below, and we took out a bunch of food, me, Jeff Carroll, and a lot of guys. I'm not going to incriminate everybody. <laughs> and we all went to Cabin 9 camp first. I had a major cookout on a Saturday night. Wow. And it was delicious. Thank you, Mickey. We enjoyed it. However, my point is, like two days later, there's Denny again. You know? So Tommy cough. 
you guys eat out of that cookout you had the other night? Oh, my God. You know, it's like, I'm hoping he picked another counselors and not just me. <laughs> but Danny knew it all. He really knows it all. And still to this day, just you cannot, you can't get anything man. past him. Uh, well, you uh, you mentioned being a junior counselor. So let's talk about that. So you move into being a junior counselor. Yeah. And how do you like the transition? It was great. See, back then, your first year, you got paid zero. But it was really referred to as a privilege to be there. <laughs> Sure. Um, and it, you know what? It was. I would have given that experience up for anything in the world. Yeah. Waiting tables was first was a lot of fun, and the campers. You always get to tease the campers. You know what's for lunch? Famous line pizza. You know, but you got to know all the girls in the kitchen, become friends with them, mm. um, and Otto and Catherine and everybody else, and you just enjoyed the camaraderie of being with the other junior counselors that you know you've been with for almost all the years or most of the years that you've been a camper up there. Yeah. Um, and that led up to, you know, when you're in cabin 13, back then, I don't know what they call it now, you were a potential. Your right. second year 13 became a potential. So you, you waited tables for, I think, a week or a few days. You get the experience, um, among other things. And um, so being a junior counselor in that standpoint was fantastic. The only thing you miss out is, but they tease you, is you, you, you get the watermelon league. But that's all, mm-hmm. you know, and that was a little tough because you've given all that up. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> the best part of being a junior counselor, uh, besides driving EMF 26's car up, being Elliot's car up after my ACT on a Saturday. Nice. Um, with Mike Wachowski and Ken Vallon, um, was that I enjoyed playing and hanging out with my campers. Yeah. In fact, one of my campers, John Zimmering, uh, is one of my attorneys today. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Not billable, John. <laughs> um, so that was a great experience. I, was gonna, I, I wish I went back the next year. That's like, if, you, if you're going to ask me, so go ahead and ask about my, my regrets. <laughs> my regrets would be that I didn't go back after my first year as a JC. Mm-hmm. You get that girlfriend thing from high school going on, who, great girl, no, no, nothing against her, but then you're going away to college, so you want to say goodbye quick. And then I'm in college, I have my other girlfriend, you don't want to go away from her either. Right. So, but um, don't regret the relationships. I regret I didn't go to camp and just maintain those relationships because yeah. I never went back after that. It was the biggest regret. Hmm. No question about it. The best place. Yeah, so. for sure. But I lived a little bit through my, my sons, particularly my young one who stayed there through a, a senior counselor. Yeah. So it was great. I say, we'll get to that in just a second. But uh, talking about that, um, talking about being a counselor. You mentioned the kitchen and, yep. the, and the women in the kitchen. So yeah. uh, that's something that we haven't really talked about too much. There's a big transition that happens. So uh, Katie runs the kitchen. Oh, yeah. And early on, it's older women from the community. And then over the years, it'll transfer to being sort of college girls from Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. And then it'll eventually transfer into what we have today, which are international staff that are primarily Eastern European. Right. Two billion years. So right. what version do you have? Well, the version I'll admit to is that we had <laughs> the we had the Wisconsin girls. I see, like Karen Kitchen, a couple others, um, and they were very funny, great sense of humor. Some things today would probably be you know politically incorrect or whatever, but sure, you know I'm human and they are, and I think it was all good fun. Nothing happened from it. Nice. Um, actually, they were really wholesome. They were great girls. I think they had a fantastic staff. So I would have to say that that seventy staff, in my opinion was fantastic and they were some were really adorable they were fun regardless of what they look like right um and we would enjoyed they come, having fun with them would they come back year after year the same somewhere yeah oh for sure yeah oh for sure they did and it was fun that was probably obviously not all the fun of being a waiter but if you needed something or you need a favor and you're friends with them they would do anything for you i mean they yeah. hired a good staff that's they cool. really did so from that standpoint standpoint um they were a good crew uh different obviously than what you have today Sure. I can't compare it because I'm not there. Right. But it was very wholesome. When the, During that period of time, did they live at camp as well? Oh, sure. They stayed Right by the lake courts. Gotcha. Right by the lake courts here, they had, you know, the kitchen staff row houses there, or mm-hmm. cabin, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then, like, you know, Catherine and, and uh, Otto would live in town, but they would come every day. Into gotcha. There. And then you had Katie's house that was right back there. Right. Correct. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, and then, so you're a counselor now. Did you uh, get to... Did you get picked to coach to assist? Yeah, I was um, assistant coach. Um, we didn't do real well. Um, I'm trying to remember how we finished off back then. Um, so that would have been my Harvard team. So we probably came in, if I remember, probably sixth to seventh, if I remember correctly. I was when Scotty Kellick was my head coach. Hmm. Um, and um, it was a lot of fun, though. 
Great times. Yeah. Great times. Nice. Uh, you mentioned Zimmering. Are there other guys, uh, Zimmering, whose kids are there now who are awesome and they're there big, you go. big uh, Jubilee guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> big singers. Are there other guys from that time like that were your campers that you still have connections with? Not that are my campers. Um, at least if I'm leaving them out, I can't think of any off the top of my head, no. I mean, I had, um, like I said, friends of mine that were with me who I'm still friends with, but not really the camper side. Yeah. That I can think of right now. No. But Zim's fine. Yeah. For Zim's sure. a boatload. He's great. He is good. He is good. <laughs> Saw him a couple of weeks ago, actually. Nice. So, so then, moving on down the road, you get a few years down the road, you have some kids, and now your kids are gone. Yeah. How does that, uh, first of all, do they have an option? They always had an option. <laughs> they had an option. Like I said before, like probably off record, was, you know, I had a Denny come to my home and I invited a bunch of people over. And of all maybe 15, 16 people, I think probably 10 to 12 wound up going, maybe mm-hmm. more. And they didn't all last long, but it's not because camp wasn't great. Uh, some, it's not a fit for them. Well, sure, and, of course. And um, it's all about, you know, the competition and the other things and giving up a little bit of what you're used to having at home. And um, so my kids had a choice. Both my boys started going there. Uh, Eric went for two years and Zach went for, gosh, 10 or something like that. Mm, yeah. Or 11 years. But if you add up his weeks, I was there more. <laughs> See, back then, you went for eight weeks or you didn't go to camp. Right, I'm of still only a believer in eight-week camp, but we're not going to have that conversation. But <laughs> I got my kids to go and their friends. And um, uh, basically, basically uh, they went for four weeks back then. And yeah. like I told you, we were very heavy into baseball by me, in which I was very involved in myself. And, and I loved it, and my kids loved it. But I eventually said to them, you know, I really think you should go to camp. It's time that you try something different. So I had to fight them on that. So we mm. did the four-week deal. And after four weeks, my um, younger one finally said, you know, I really like it. So it took another couple of years, and he decided he's going to go for eight weeks. That was his best move because then he finally came back, and he said, I wish I did this all along. Mm. Yeah. And he was hook, line, and sinkered right into Camp Ojibwe. That's awesome. Loved it. But I stuck to my, you know, my older, we were in a championship game for baseball, and um um, it was a, the night that it was the night of the day the camp left. Uh, I think it was a Monday, and um, I promised him, "Look, at win the championship, I'll drive you up." Mm. So I told Danny, "I'm coming up late." We left after our game. Literally left after our game. Stopped, I think, in Appleton, and stayed overnight. Got to camp at like nine in the morning, and um, he stayed. You know, he he was there for like two years. Yeah. My younger son saw me. He was getting ready to take a swim test. He came running down the road. He saw me walking. I just saw him the day before. <laughs> running down the road. He's <laughs> had the greatest time of his whole life. He's not even been there 24 hours. <laughs> so I already knew it was an automatic for him. That's awesome. Great. That's I, miss, awesome. I remember that was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you get to have a little bit of that kind of going back to camp a little bit through them, right? A little. We still compete. You know, he thinks he's the athlete. I want one this or one that. I don't think you amount to anything, Zach. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You know, I don't, you're, you're not your father, I hate to say it, um, but that's okay. I'm not a Larry Lubin either. Um, but we still, you know, rib each other, you know, about that. In fact, one year that he was a camper up there, he was in 13, and he was um, playing football. Mm. And right before uh, Collegiate Week uh, draft, and um, he hurt his shoulder. So he calls me, I'm all upset, I can't play, I'm not going to be in Collegiate. I go, well, well, what happened? He tells me, I go, this and that, whatever. I called Denny, I go, Denny. I'm coming up. He goes, Steve, we welcome you. Hmm. So I, I got in the car, drove up there, um, and uh, my wife and I uh, took him to a doctor. We took him for therapy and um, tried to nurse him back to health as fast as we can. And then I did the Ojibwe push. You know, that, that next day I took him out to the lake court and I go, <laughs> shoot the basketball. He goes, it hurts. I go, shoot the basketball. <laughs> so um, he actually went up doing fine. He played in the week, and um, I can't remember what place he came in. Uh, but he's not me, and he didn't come as high as I did in the week. And uh, but he did win once or twice or so. But again, it's that it's a different era. <laughs> Zach, work for it. I promise you'll get equal time, Zach. I promise. <laughs> yeah, so it was great. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I talk to the guys all the time. The guys who are multi generational, and uh, to to hear them talk about their kids going, you know, it's having it's it's doubling down on all the joy they had to begin with because yeah. they're. Uh, getting to share it and getting to see those guys go through something and they know how it's going to end. They know what it's going to be like for them oh, when yeah. they do it. You can um, picture I mean, Scott, uh, Scott uh, Zachary is still friends with um, Barry Feldman's boy. 
Oh, Kevin. So yeah. yeah, so he and Kevin. Kevin lives in New York, where Zach is. Right. So they uh, hang out and do things together. All That's the time. awesome. Yeah. Boys, call me up. I'm there. Let's go have a drink. What are we <laughs> Seriously. doing? Seriously, what's going on? <laughs> Maybe they don't know you're not there. Maybe they don't know that. Yeah, that could be. Um, no, I, I was a big fan of that crew. They were uh, they were a great cabin. And I had, uh, I believe, my you had ver- Zach. I believe I had Zach my very first year at camp as well in Six cabin two. Or what cabin was that? Cabin two, I think. Or oh, was it two? Okay. And it's okay. it's Plotnik and Jordy. Jordy Cone. Cr- yeah, that whole crew, right? Yeah. Well, Scotty Plotnik, right? Son of obviously my friend Gary and. They live by us, and Scott and Zach grew up together. Yeah. And Jordy. Scott, in his garage, has a, uh, I found a cricket bat in the arts and crafts. I was not uh, brought in to be a sports guy. I was brought in to be the music and drama guy, right? So uh, first session playoffs come along, and guys start getting days off. And I get to guest coach a floor hockey team. Oh, my God. Okay, great. But we're in the playoffs, and we win. And I was like, well, this is great. We won. So then we went again, and I was like, okay. I talked to the coach. I was like, look, if I take him to the championship, you got to put me on the plaque. He's <laughs> like, absolutely, no problem. So I find this cricket bat in the top of the wood shop, and I write stuff all over it. My nickname at camp was Big Sexy. And I write Big Sexy on it and stuff. All this stuff. And I take it out. I pound on the floor hockey courts while we're playing. And every time I do, they win. And sure enough, in the championship, we lose by one or two goals, whatever. And I shattered the pole. The the cricket bat pounding so hard on the table. See how competitive it got for you. Totally, I mean, (laughs) did not take much at all. But Scott took it home. So apparently, in his garage is the remains of this cricket bat. What a great thing! (laughs) That's cool. I was like, that's kind of when I kept my little maroon thing for my Chicago. That's it. I I was like, we need a picture of that. I don't have a lot of uh, sports related trophies for camps. So funny. (laughs) Too bad though, because that would be a good showing for you to get on that plaque. (laughs) That's true. That would be great. The only plaque I'm on is uh, Trojan Spartan General. That works. Yeah. It's hey, when enough. I was there, they started a Spartan Trojan, and I was oh. a Spartan, which obviously Zach was a Spartan. Right. Um, but yeah, that was fun. Not like collegiate, but it was fun. Yeah. It was new then. It was more of a trial period, and you do different things, and you know, Denny did a Caesar route routine. And yeah. I've, uh, I just got a, I think it was Elliot brought me some uh, photos from some of the early Caesar stuff, and the band, the guys dressed up in the band, Dave shared his oh, first. Dave? Oh, Dave? He's yeah. my counter in seven. <laughs> That's actually a funny story. Oh, I t- I was saying, tell one. me a great Dave story. Well, Dave, you know, he'd wrap his, his crotch up in a, in a tight bun, um, which helped him do his OSCE, you know, chair because his ay 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 chair because it kept his voice high, I guess. I don't know. But I'll tell you kind of a funny story. You may want to edit this, but i got to tell you. And I'm going to keep girls' names out of this. We'll take our chances. Uh, Dave's family or his father were, was in the painting business. Mm. So we were able to buy overalls or coveralls. And you'll probably edit this. And uh, I bought the coveralls. Now, understand the coveralls allows you to reach to the sides to get into your shorts or your pants below them. So you sure. know, your keys, your wallet, whatever it was. So I was in junior high school, and I was wearing my coveralls. And um, we were in science, and we were dissecting a frog. And I asked a girl, I'll just use the first name, Beth. And um, to grab my pen out, I'd make notes. I had to grab it, and she grabbed my crotch instead. <laughs> so I thank Dave for my first real grab in seventh grade. <laughs> So you can edit that, but at least I had to share that with you. That's truly the Ojibwe way. That's the Ojibwe Brotherhood, right? That's there. right. But going forward, <laughs> um, but you know, when you mentioned David, I'm trying to think. So I was in Pineapple League, and Bob Coffin, yeah, Bob, you were my coach on the Jets. Are you guys related? At all? No, thank God. <laughs> no, we are not related. So I never thought we were related. No, no, we are not related. Officially for the record. I love you, Bob. <laughs> and yes, we have all the cough license plates. Um, Bob was my coach on the Jets in Pineapple League. We went 17-0. and zero. Wow. So we went to the championship game. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> and we lost. <laughs> I don't have to say any more. Do I, Bob? <laughs> that sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know. But I have other great ones if I'm going to show you. I mean, I remember yeah. we played CPO, Camper Pickoff. Oh. Um, and that was... Always fun. Unfortunately, I was really dead on one day. Oh, boy. And so we're playing on the beach, and, uh, you know, you're trying to throw a ball from the raft to the slide to the diving board, and you're playing all this stuff going on. Sure. Trying to hit campers and stuff. So, of course, uh, Andy Maravitz was was going on the slide, and his dad was visiting, good friend of Schwartz's, and I hit him with a, a tennis ball from across the pier. Of course, he's, you know, he had a little bit of problem, but he lived to tell the story, but I apologize profusely. I never played that game again. Yeah, that was a lesson learned. Um, what else can I share with you? God, I had so many things. Uh, what about the Braves? Were you uh, oh, part yeah, of the Braves? Braves. I, saw, I showed you my feathers. Yep. Um, yeah, we were, we were in 
initiated at 12 years old. I was in the first initiation, I think probably because of my birthday was in January. And um, it's kind of like a fraternity. Well, it is a fraternity within the camp mm-hmm. of a fraternity. But um, you get initiated, you know, you have to do a few things. Uh, one, you're on silence. Uh, they shove a pillowcase on your head. I think Billy and Barry mentioned about that in yeah. their podcast. Um, and then you had to do fun things like go to camp, campfire site, and dig air raids and things like that. So it was always, no one ever beat you up, but they play with you a little bit. Sure. And it was all fine. It was all good. No problem with it. Um, love being a brave. Uh, mm-hmm. Became a guardian of the trail. Um, an officer when I was in 13. And uh, that was fun. We liked doing the acting, the skits and stuff like that. Yeah. We liked doing all the jump downs and um, from the rafters. Um, but we had a near guitar group called B- Gary Barbo and the Chiefs. And that was uh, myself. Because <laughs> Gary Barbo looked like a friend of mine, uh, Kenny Gorlick. Okay. And I lives in Vegas. And so it was myself. So it was uh, Mike Wachowski, Doug Singer, uh, Mark Borstein, Kenny Garlic, and uh, we had our band, and we did some Sly and the Family Stone. And we were also offers of the Braves, so after one of our sing- our songs, you know, they wanted chanting want more, 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 and of course came out and we um, summoned a powwow. Nice. And, uh, so we had fun. But that was our ear guitar we did for several years. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> is that like a talent show thing? Is that where you get to do that, or is that more like a... Did name? it right? No, we, yeah, it was being a concert talent show or uh, whatever... Whatever our fans wanted us to sing at Ojibwa, we we performed. You know, so we did we did stuff like that and on it was fun. on command anytime. Yeah, That's great. awesome. It was great. I had oh, I had Kevin thirteen. I had Ellie as my counselor. I know now he's in fourteen. That's or great. Wherever he's at these days, uh, um, he's moved on. He's he's moved on. He's moved out of the cabin. I'm I lived in fourteen with him for the last ten years of his. So he's still in fourteen. Cabin. No, he has moved out. I fourteen's mine now. So where's he go? He lives in the counselor's lodge. The, oh, okay. To the left of the fireplace. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's out of the cabin. I think he just felt like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I think I'm there. You know. He's at that point. Yeah, I think physically that was part of it. You know, yeah. it just is harder. And, yeah. Yeah. But uh, he still loves camp, and he comes up, and and now he because he doesn't have the cabin responsibility, he can come and go a little more freely. So when his business is busy here, he can kind of come back and do a couple days, and then right. pop back up right. to camp. Right. That was actually a lot of fun. He was my counselor, and Dave Shear was in 13 with us, too, if I remember correctly, when I was there for my cabin in 13. I have to think about that. I have a hard time fun. seeing Elliot and Dave being co-counselors. I think that's why it worked. If I remember <laughs> Dave was my... I should look up on my word and make sure about that. But for at least for the years, I'm pretty sure Dave was my counselor in 13. Pretty sure. Yeah, I have to check that out. That's but no, it was great. He, he let you do your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to big a potential. I got to do the treats in the kitchen. Oh, and whoa! I would have paid. Say that's a big time job. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was the best job ever. You get in there and you make treats, and of course, Cab One got the peanut butter cookies, but Cabin Thirteen got the cake or the <laughs> you know the bow ties. But you got to go in there and pig out ahead of time. Yeah, for sure. And then you make those trays, and but you had to leave that kitchen spotless because that place was spotless. Mm. I mean, spotless. And um, so you did it right. You clean. You kept clean. You make a mess. Um, we really took care of everything, and we didn't abuse it. Yeah. But it was so much fun making those treats. That was my favorite job. Ever. That's awesome. Ever to this day. Now at that time, the, everyone got treats. Or was um, it still no. still kind of judged? Yeah, it was still judged. Yeah, judged. I don't know what they do now. Probably now it's camper friendly. They probably give treats to everybody. No, yeah, that absolutely. back then, if you cleaned up, you know, your cabin was clean. You got a decent like a nine or a ten, or you've shown improvement in your cleaning. Or if it was lineup competition, you have a good lineup. Kids aren't talking, blah blah, and so forth. Um, you get a treat. Hmm. If there's misbehaviors by any of the campers, something like that in your cabin, there was no treat. Gotcha. Hence is why I gave you my story with uh, cabin sink. Yeah. So. Um, no, it was earned like everything was back then. You had to earn everything back then. It was great. Yeah. You know, you don't like I don't have many plaques with my name on it, but you you become a force, you became you get your own name, you get your brand and you you make it work. Yeah, for sure. You like you said, yeah, you, uh Elliot let you do your own thing. That really is what camp's all about. He let you do everything. He was yeah. he looked at us as if we were adults and he made us make which is part of growing up, make your own decisions and we were we were a good crowd because when I was in 13 it combined my two age group cabins. Like, I was good friends with Mark Borsi and Kenny Gorlick and these guys, um, but they were always in a different cabin. They started in 72, I started in 71, mm. but then their group was in a cabin always ahead of me. Uh, like, I was in uh, 9, they'd be in 10. I was 11, they were in 12, then we all met up in 13. 
and uh, we were very good friends. And um, it just gelled because we were always together in sports, you know, air guitar and so forth. Right, sure. But then 13 hours, y'all living together, and um, the camaraderie was already, you know, set in stone. And um, it was just great laughs and great times with these guys. And yeah. you go to town with them on your nights off when you're a junior counselor. And when we were junior counselors, our group was really, really tight. Mm. Real tight. We had a couple guys, that, one that came up with us. Me and Mike Warshawski drove Elliot's car, like I mentioned earlier. And I better not use names, but there's another one that was there too. And they, those two really didn't belong there. They came up as non-campers. Mm. Um, so they didn't really understand it. And they caused some problems, if you will. And um, so we would straighten them out. Hard to explain <laughs> it, but our group was really tight. Nice. We had great gen- uh, junior counselors. That's awesome. Group. Yeah, I miss that. That was good days. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, some of the favorite days were like Lazy Day. I don't oh, know if yeah. they still have Lazy Day. We don't have Lazy Day because we moved uh, collegiately to the end of camp. Oh, right, wait, you and don't so get that, it now. That, that Lazy Day right. effect doesn't uh, need to happen. It's just uh, everyone became friends again, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, some of us, like me, like to just unleash and we'd build forts. And they had, you know, good breakfast the next morning and like a buffet. And um, you know, had a great movie that night and you got to sleep in or whatever. Um, so it was kind of fun as way of collegiate week just you know, came down at that point. Yeah. So we got to have a, a good time and, you know, just talk about the week and rib each other, you know, who came in last, who may have been a first pick or a third pick or fifth pick or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was a, I think, uh, like Gold Rush Day and Circus Day just became just a little bit, breaks out the monotony of the sports. Sure, um, absolutely. And it brought other things that maybe other people um, maybe weren't so much into sports or didn't shine, maybe shorts in sports, um, helped them enjoy camp in a different way. Um, no different than the stage didn't, you know, for some campers um, right. as well. And I think that's a, a really cool thing that um, Ojibwa was able to put together. Yeah. And because, as mm-hmm. you know, I mean, everything was always sports, sports, sports. But, you know, people would maybe look at that as, as a negative, but it wasn't. There's so many other aspects of camp that brought everyone together. Yeah. And um, and there's so many different backgrounds, including counselors and the foreign counselor that came in. It was, it was a great mix. Yeah, those those days are invaluable in the, into the big scheme of the program to sort of just balance no things question. out. And like no you question. said, guys that maybe aren't shining at certain sports, this is a chance for them to shine in different ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big oh, time stuff. Oh, by far. It was great. And I was just looking here in my note. I wrote down, um, and it's worth maybe checking. I was once in the old garage, and I can't remember Mickey or Denny needed something. I don't remember now. It was right before cookout. And I went up there. It was I had to go through the the ladder up to the second floor, I think mm-hmm. it was. And I remember walking over to the corner where the roof and the wall met. And there was newspaper sticking out. So I, I pulled it out. And someone had put it back in there in like the late 19... either 1920s or before that. Wow. So it was there before I believe Ojibwe was even there, if I remember. I can't remember the next thing, but I remember giving it to um, Al... And it was talking about, I remember hog heads and things for sale. And I remember the ad oh, in the wow. newspaper. But it was a real brown. But there could still be some newspaper there. It's worth checking, by the way. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Go back there, you better check. <laughs> it was just something I thought was kind of cool because it was, it was, I don't know, a long time ago. Yeah. Well, it I went, was, It I, may have been before even camp for all I know. I've definitely been scavenging a little bit for artifacts at camp and found do, some just very that. cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like some of the patches, uh, like the rifle repatches and the two island swim patch and yeah, things like that. Yeah, I got that. rifle repatches. Yeah. I got, um, some medals. Uh, I was working on my bars. I had a distinguished expert, expert and I had, a, I think, three bars. And then we had a situation, as you probably were at Ojibwa, with an unfortunate death of a counselor. Yes. And, were you, you were there during that? Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, Mike Wachowski and I were in the championship sailing races. That was the last day of camp. And we were going down for that final race. And uh, Jan Roddinghouse ran the sailing. And um, we had just missed the incident by... 10, 15 seconds. Wow. And um, so, you know, you know the story behind that, so I'm going to dwell on that. That was a real damper for everyone at camp. I don't know how the Schwartz was pulled through on that last day camp, but it was amazing how they did that. But anyway, um, so we didn't get to finish the races. Uh, but after that, uh, next year, Rifle was gone. They had taken everything out. They kept archery, but they took the Rifle range out. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, what. Well, it's funny that you say that because I wanted to sort of pinpoint that because there is a longstanding rumor that Rifle went away because of the fire. That someone was, uh, so the story goes that, you know, where the mattresses are on the riflery range, that guys used to go out there at night and smoke. And one night, whoever Joe Blow staff man was, was smoking there, left us an ash smoldering in the mattress. Mm-hmm. Next day, 
the place had burned down. Now, there was a fire, but it didn't burn down. Right. I, I was saying, I remember something about a fire, and I couldn't tell you the year. I just remember hearing about it. I guess that can be the reason. I just don't remember that being the reason. Right. Well, um, but I, I don't think, yeah. But if that's the last day of camp, and there was rivalry, then you came back the next year, and it's gone. That's it sort could of, be any of the above reasons, right? right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. but um, Yeah, so I think the actual yeah. story is that those were just separate incidents, but it sounds a lot cooler to right. be like, oh, right. yeah, the place just burned down right. one night. <laughs> right. I mean, I hear guys smoking over there doing back there. I never got involved in that stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I mean, sailing, you know, then, you know, we had the sunfish, which I think you still have. Mm-hmm. Up sure. There, you know, and uh, we enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Um, we said... We used to actually take those sail- sailboats behind uh, Second Island and pull up the dagger board, load the sail, and just go swimming out there. Nice. Um, of course, it wasn't allowed, but that's why I did behind the island. <laughs> but, you know, Mickey, we kept our life preservers on, but we did swim back there. I just want you to know that. <laughs> so we were somewhat safe. Uh, now, uh, George Sachs is a longtime camp yeah, he's guy. He's a doctor when right. I was up there. And yeah. then he marries Karen, and Karen is these days, she's the director of sailing. Now, was she around and taking part in any of that in those days? Not that I remember, hmm. no. No, I just remember Dr. Sachs, you know, visiting back then yeah. and be the doc for like a week, I believe, maybe two, but a week. And then he can enjoy the amenities and stuff and he participated in stuff. But he was an old timer too like that. Right. Um, but no, I don't remember his wife really that much from there. Gotcha. It was, you know, from my standpoint, you know, we were still campers. So um, we just dealt with our direct counselors or the counselor in charge at that point. So sure, I don't remember her really being involved, which she could have been though. Could have been, yeah. But um, as you know, the waterfront was unbelievable, so activities down there. I mean, he still had the warrior canoes and all that. Yeah. Yeah. The war canoes live on. Um, It's amazing, right? Yeah. I believe now I've been told again, I should be the one to verify this, but, uh, that they, they were already old when we got them and we got them at the very beginning of camp. So I've been told that they're basically a hundred years old at this point. That's funny you say that because I heard that and I'm, I have no way of verifying that, but I heard like when we got them, I can't tell you what year I was there, Mm -hmm. but they were old when I was there, so right. call whatever in the seventies and early seventies, they were already old. Yeah, yeah. we had them uh, completely redone maybe mm, five years ago, taken down to the bare wood and then relacquered and everything, and they look—I mean, they just look amazing. I mean, the entire skeleton of, of if I remember, was wood. Yeah, There's, there was no no metal component there, so maybe a screw. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. God. <laughs> oh my God. Man. And now they don't have—they you know—we have uh, super scrub up, you know. Oh, sure. That goes hand in hand with Dipper Shower, right? Yeah. Every Saturday morning, you know, um, cabin. Let's see here. Cabin. I think it was eleven. Got the slide. Twelve got the diving board, and thirteen got the raft. And then the rest of cabins got split up, like you know, one through five, and the old shower one through six, and probably one through five, then six through ten go in the old, the new shower house. Well, you're prowling your ivory soap. But today, they would never allow that. Right. It's like going through a human car wash. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was kind of cool. But, you know, that was an important part of camp, especially on visiting day. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and you had the barber come out as well? had the barber, right, of which, you know, back then, you know, like I never want to get my hair cut. Pearl did make me do it one year. Um, but, you know, you were cool if you had long hair. Sure. So, you know, you don't want to be seen getting your hair cut. But Pearl one year made me cut my hair. I think it was in like my third or fourth year of camp. <laughs> so I listened to Pearl. <laughs> I got a little, little, very slight trim nice. uh, from her. Um, but other things like, you know, we had movie night. Um, uh, we used to do serial movies like Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, one year, uh, Elliot asked me, you know, because I was a Three Stooges nut. And he asked me if I'd pick out a bunch of Three Stooges for camp. Oh, that's and great. So we get those. So I did all that one year for him. And uh, so I enjoyed that. But we had great movies out there, like Planet of the Apes several times. Oh, Dirty Dozen we had. Nice. Great Escape we had. Um, now, I heard that uh, Al was a big uh, Western guy. He liked Westerns and yeah. war, war movies and yeah, that kind of yeah, stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, But, um, yeah, that's right, because that's why we had those. And I forgot that we had a, I think we had a, a Western. I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, but I think we had a Western as one of our serials one year, too. Nice. can't think of what it was, though. But we probably did. But it was uh, good stuff. One of the cool things... The I guess somewhere along the line they accidentally pilfered some cartoons that supposedly were lost, and then some insurance was claimed or whatever. And then oh look, we actually look had we them. have so <laughs> we still have them, which is cool. Um, so I did the museum uh, temporary museum setup over yeah. visiting weekend, and I yeah. set up the old projector and put the oh, reels on, and so showed the cartoons and stuff. And yeah, we used to get those like on rainy days or yeah. something like that. We used to see those, or we have some of the like sports. You know, tapes mm. of NFL and things like that sure. going on. You know, like we'd go in town for whatever, cabin win, you know, cleanup or whatever, and then pick us up in the green truck or the red truck. And 
much all the Brahman, I guess. And then we come back, and let's say it's raining, we just all shove into the rec hall. I remember doing that and watching football yeah. highlights and stuff like that. In your time when you went to town, did you go to town and see a movie? Was that a thing you We did. Um, in fact, I mean, yeah, we did. But one of the big things, actually, when I was... So when you're junior counselor, you, we had our parent patrol during parent weekend. So that was a year that I was at JC we, um, that um, um, we saw the movie The Deer Hunter. It just oh. come out. Wow. So we were in town watching that, and from that, I got the name Mao. That's when he's slapping De Niro around. Yeah. He got Mao, Mao, Mao. So we called ours Mao Patrol. Nice. So Parent Patrol was fun, though, because we had walkie-talkies, no cell phones, big walkie-talkies. <laughs> and, um, you know, one of us sat at the gate, one sat at the far field, or the entrance in the far field. And his parents would always try to come by to see if their kid's playing soccer or something in the far field. Um, you get to politely tell them, no, you'll see him in a couple of days. But it was always fun because it was always highly energized as parents' weekend came, mm, you know, close sure. to being. And um, and that's when we had to be cut clean and Pearl Mature were all cleaned up and we had to wear white ducks or a Juba t-shirt or something like that. But um, parent weekend was always great. And the meals they served to our parents on the weekend was between the barbecue beef and the roast beef and the sheet cakes and the dessert. Oh my God! It was like a it was a great Jewish spread. <laughs> it was fantastic food, and that's like again, where the parents are just couldn't get enough of what knowing what the kids were eating. Yeah, I remember I, one year I was um, in cabin eleven, I believe. I was sick on Parents Weekend mm. of all times, right? So I was sick and sat in a hotel at Eagle Waters, and then came back, and then was in the infirmary for like three or four days. And uh, Billy came to visit me, though. Actually, I think Billy too, but Billy was there. Nice. Yeah. It was, it was quite the experience, but the nurse was cute, so it worked. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes the infirm, those infirmary trips yeah. go a lot smoother. It was, better than my, it was better looking at her than at Steve Simon and my counsel. There you go. By a lot. <laughs> uh, so now that you're uh, now at this stage in life, mm-hmm. you're a grown-up. I think. And uh, in the big picture way, how would you say camp affected your life? Camp affected me... Wow, so many ways. All right, and the the smallest amounts is where I, I still maintain my closet at home. Okay, so that's a start because it's organized, it's keeping it clean, it's keeping it neat. My whole life is I keep my life organized. I think that's a big part of it. Um, the respect of other people, uh, sports, uh, the enjoyment of sports. I got the wounds to prove it. Um, but I think it's about respecting other people. Um, whether it's a tolerance thing or just appreciating other people, what they do, what they like. Uh, it helped me grow up, be more independent. Uh, mm. going, away, going away to college was that much easier, I would imagine. Um, met some great friends, um, names, people you may not see for 15, 20 years, you run into them, and it's like you just, you never left them, you can start a conversation in minutes. Um, it's always that bond, um, that fraternal bond that's there. Um, and... There's so much appreciation now. I think a big, also I'd say another big part for me was the appreciation of nature and beauty. Mm. Um, I truly took the beauty of Ojibwa that, you know, Al and Pearl created to heart. I mean, glass lake sunsets on that lake. What a view. The trees, you know, the whole thing. Um, To this day, I'm like that. You know, I took my boy snowmobiling in Yellowstone, for example, um, this past February and my whole thing was the wildlife and the beauty, and I know so much of that goes back to Ojibwa. Yeah. It just naturally does. Um, I think just getting along with people, learning to get along with people, living in you know close quarters. You know, back then, our, our camper, our, our cabins had uh, uh, 14 campers, once while 15. It's different, you know. Right. Um, Single beds, no yeah, bunks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you didn't always get along with everybody, but it, it made it, you made it work. Uh, that's like real life. I mean, yeah. you don't have to like everyone get along, but you make it work. Um, Ojibwe is a big part of my life. I miss that place like no other. I wish at this age and stage I can actually go up there and be a counselor mm. or go up there and, and spend a week up there uh, and do anything. I would just like, to, I don't even want to coach. I'll, I'll referee, I'll umpire, I'll do whatever. Um, yeah, I miss that a lot. It's yeah. the best place in the world. I mean, People don't have that connection. Like my wife, and I love her more than anything, you know, she doesn't like Eagle River. I go, because you don't get the connection. And she went to camp. Going to camp is one thing. Going to Ojibwe is a whole nother thing.
Okay, that is it. Another podcast in the books. Steve Kaufman had a great time. A lot of great stories with that one. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it. As always, if you want to get in touch with the Camp Ojibwe History Podcast, you know how. Just drop me an email, Christopher at CampOjibwaHistory.org. Or, of course, stop by the website, just CampOjibwaHistory.org. The podcast national tour has begun. I'm going all over the country. I'm getting some guys uh, here and there who can't travel, things like that. So if you know someone from camp who's out there, who's in Poughkeepsie or Phoenix or Vegas, and you think they should be on this podcast, drop me an email. Let me know so I can get in touch with them and catch them while I'm on the road. Today's stop is Bowling Green, Kentucky, my own birthplace, as it were. But a lot of snow dumping on us here today. So looking forward to heading south before the end of the week. I'm going to be in Atlanta and Naples before next weekend. So with that, I'm going to put on my snow boots and head outside for a cigar. See you next week. So were there any stories we forgot? <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> so as you probably know, when any guest visitor came to Ojibwa, there's always this fake or real introductory. You know, you're the best athlete in the history of sports. You're the best boss player. This, whatever. It was always... Mickey did a great intro. So one year, um, Greg Rose, who went to Madison, good tennis player, by the way, good athlete, brought a friend, Eric Hyden. So he's introduced as a speed skater, and everyone's, yeah, sure, whatever. So I remember one morning, I went out jogging, because I used to jog because of the track meet, get ready. Sure. And I'm going out of camp, and he's coming into camp, meaning around the road to the far field. Mm-hmm. And, um, and no, Mickey, I wasn't going down to Camp Miramita to see the girls, though I did once while sneak out and do that from the Cabin 3 trail, but we don't have to talk about that right now. So <laughs> I'm jogging past Eric Hyden, and uh, he does an about face, comes next to me, and we start running back toward the stop sign by the Mita Road, and, um, or whatever road that is. And um, we're talking, and I realized how huge his thighs were. Mm. Huge. So I actually said, so tell me, Mickey gave you this introduction and everything. He says, are you really a speed skater? He goes, yeah. I go, really? He goes, yeah, I'm hoping to be in the Olympics and all that. So I go, well, I have to have your autograph. So he goes, sure. So we got back to camp. I got his autograph. Nice. I still have it. Nice. I still have it. Now, um, so that was a real intro, but I got to meet Eric Heiden, who then obviously was a major speed skater, won whatever, seven, eight, nine medals and so forth, and, it, and his sister did. I think now he's a big orthopedic surgeon on the West Coast, if I remember huh. correctly. Um, but that, I thought it was a kind of an interesting story because that for sure was a true story about an athlete <laughs> came back to Ojibwa. Right. That's so, awesome. Yeah.